0: Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. I have come to give my life. saturate me, overtake me, captive me. Hallelujah. I am thankful for the presence of the King here in the house of the Lord impossible is possible because the lord is here praise god john the revelator spake in the book of revelation that i was in the spirit on the lord's day and when he was in the spirit on the lord's day that is when he heard the voice of god speaking to him that is when vision and revelation came to him can have vision God can meet you here hallelujah I like what I feel right now in the house of the Lord Mm. praise God God. I want to obey God right now Lord has a word for this church book of Genesis chapter 12 verse number one while you're turning thank you to each and every one of you you are a part of this revival you are making this happen with every hand clap every hallelujah Every note you sing and every prayer you pray, you're pushing hell back and you're pushing the kingdom forward. You are soldiers in the army of God. Praise God. And also, I never want to fail to give honor where honor is due. I have said it before in the revival, but I am truly blessed by the ministry of your pastor and my friend, Pastor Gil. Brother Medora is blessed to have you. I'm encouraged by your ministry. Praise God. I also am thankful for the long testimony of Bishop Walls. Bishop, thank you for your contribution to the kingdom for so many years. Praise God. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And if you were counting there, that's a sevenfold blessing. That was a sevenfold promise that God just gave to Abraham. Because when God gives you a blessing and a promise, it's not just one sentence. He multiplies like the fishes and the loaves. The blessings of God will only increase with time. Lord, I receive your direction, and I receive your blessings for me. Praise God. So when Abraham received this promise, what did he do? So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was, say, 75. 75 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Skipping ahead to chapter 21 now and verse number 5 in Genesis. Genesis 21 and verse number 5. Praise God. Very simple statement in this verse. And Abraham was, say, a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. So, you have this quandary. Abraham was 75 when he left Haran to go to the promised land, and he was 100 when Isaac was born. Now, you don't have to have a college degree to do that math problem. There's 25 years in between, right? And so, I'm going to title this message in the form of a question. What hinders the birth of your Isaac? What hinders the birth of your Isaac? Lord, we're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your people. I ask you to anoint every soul in this house. We just want your perfect will to be accomplished, Lord Jesus. And we give you all the glory, God, for what you have done, are doing, and will do in the kingdom in this region. We thank you for answered prayers. We thank you for testimonies, for souls saved and lives changed. And the church says, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Abraham had a promise from God. And we know what that feels like, don't we? We know what it feels like to have the Lord give you direction. And you make the break. You make the start. But there's something that happens along the way. You are walking in that path. But you're in that realm of waiting. I know, it doesn't feel too pleasant to be in that realm of in-betweens where you're praying, where you're crying tears at night, and you're saying, God, I am keeping to your word. I have not strayed from your narrow way. So why, oh Lord God, why do I wait? Why do these years pass me by? Praise God. Abraham had that prayer, I believe. Abraham waited for so many years in the promised land. And why did he wait? What was stopping the birth of Isaac? What was hindering the fulfillment of God's promise? It's a good question, isn't it? Well, when you go back to that opening text, you see some strange things. God had told him to get away from some people, if you read in verse 1. But if you read in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31... When Abraham first left Ur of the Chaldees, when Abraham first left Ur of the Chaldees, it wasn't even his decision. In Genesis 11 and verse 31, Abraham's father, Terah, took Abraham and a whole bunch of people out of Ur and went to the promised land. So, the first thing you learn is that Abraham ceded control over his promised decisions to somebody else that had not received the promise of God. And there is danger when I begin to cede control over God's promises to people that have not received the promise of God. They don't get a vote, dear saints. God has spoken to you, God has given you a promise and direction. I've got to edit out some other voices. Voices that aren't going to Canaan with me. I've got to take out some people's counsel and advice who are not saved and directing me on the course. Even if they don't make it, I can't say here and err. I've got to go. I've got to launch out. I've got to walk by faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Abraham, I don't even know how long he waited in Ur. Could have been years that Abraham had waited in Ur and hemmed and hawed until Terah finally made the choice. Let's go. And when they made it to Haran, they spent some years there, didn't they? That land of Haran that Terah and Abraham went to. Haran is the halfway point between Ur of the Chaldees and the Promised Land. They spent some years halfway Because if the enemy can't stop you from obeying God, the enemy will try and stop you from fully entering into the placement of God. Get you stuck in that muddling middle of Haran. And we understand historically that about 20, 25 years, possibly even 30 years might have passed in the land of Haran. And by the time he finally left that muddling middle, that halfway point of Haran, he was 75 years old and entered the land of Canaan. But even then, he waited 25 more years. He got away from Terah. He got away from his family. So what stopped God from fulfilling that promise for 25 years? Well, I'm here to preach to you the issue of what did, in fact, hinder the birth of Isaac. Here is what stopped the fulfillment of God. God had told him to get out from his country, get away from his kindred. Don't take anybody with you. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. But when you watch in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 12, Abram departed and Lot went with him. What hindered the birth of Isaac was the presence of Lot. Now Lot had not received the promise like Abraham had. Lot was a tag-along. Lot was a stowaway. And tag-along people who see your blessings, they're okay with the outpouring of God. But they're not always so okay with all those pesky requirements of God. Abraham built altars, didn't he? But Lot never did. Lot didn't ask God for advice and help. The tag They're not going to seek God's face like you are. I've got to pray. I've got to call on the name of Jesus. God, direct me. God, make me who you want me to be. Hallelujah. I notice that immediately after Lot went with him, what is the next story in that chapter 12 of Genesis? It's when Abraham goes to Egypt and lies and says of Sarah, She is my sister. I wonder, was it Abraham's idea or Lot's idea to go to Egypt? Ever asked that question? I wonder, do people who you bring along with you who aren't receivers of promises, do they talk you into decisions that are not the perfect will of God? Could it be that some of these choices that Abraham made that weren't the best choices, could they have been held up by that Lot voice next to him? And the next thing that Lot did after that, as soon as he got back from Egypt, we read in Genesis 13 and verse 7 that there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Abraham and Lot were okay. They were family. They were decent. But the people around them, not even they themselves, but their entourages, their surrounding crowd around them, began to fight and drug those two men into that fight. Mm. I had the voice of an elder council from years ago speaking into me. There's this voice of an elder that spoke to me and said, just because somebody across town has a circus, doesn't mean you have to ride the elephants and play with the monkeys. Just because somebody else has a fight, don't mean you got to fight. Just because somebody else has conflict, don't mean you have conflict. You can have peace in the midst of a storm, you can have peace that passes understanding. I can in the whirlwind God can give you peace Hallelujah You don't have to join every single fight And conflict So Abraham and Lot They got tired of this And Abraham tells Lot in verse 8 Let there be no strife I pray thee Between me and thee Brothers don't ever have to fight He says we be brethren We don't have to fight Verse 9 he tells Lot The whole land is before us Separate yourself You go one way, and I'll go the other way. And look that Abraham gave Lot the choice. Lot got to pick. Abraham just got the leftovers because Abraham believed God that whatever he got, even if it was desert, that God could make streams in the desert. Abraham believed no matter what land he got, God could make that a promise, miracle territory for himself because God was his shield and exceeding great reward. God was the provider God was El Shaddai. He was the Almighty. He was the King. So what happened? Lot chose him the plain of Jordan. Verse 12. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. So Lot goes in the general direction of Sodom. Wicked people lived there. Why was Lot drawn to Sodom in the direction of wicked people and sinners? You see, when you're not building altars in your life, when you don't have a prayer life, when you're not seeking God, you will be drawn to the bling bling of Babylon. You will be pulled to the land of sin and wickedness. I can't let that happen. I can't give in to the lures of hell and the enemy in my life. I gotta call on that name of the Lord. I've I've got to pray. I've got to talk to my maker. i got to build altars. But a funny thing happened after a lot left. Verse 14. I know I'm reading several verses here. We're taking a deep dive in the Word of God. Verse 14, as soon as Lot was separated from him, it says, God tells Abram, lift up your eyes. Look where you are, north, south, east, and west. Verse 15, all the land that you see, I will give it to you and to your seed forever. Now catch this, it was after Lot left. After the hindrance was removed, Lot was hindering the fulfillment of this promise. And as soon as that hindrance was removed, there was revelation from God. The voice of the Lord spoke to him. When you finally deal with that hairy, scary issue, when you say, I have had enough, I won't be like this anymore, I won't put up with this for my family, I gotta follow God's will, I gotta obey heaven. I enemy then there is revelation from God that is coming to you God sees your efforts he sees your tears and he sees your life when you make the first step God will speak to you and give you direction for the next steps just like he did for Abraham praise God so what kind of man was Lot Lot was not a sinner Second Peter 2 and 8 Well, start at verse 7, really. Delivered just Lot. Just. Lot was just. He was not a sinner. He was a just man. And he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. But being vexed wasn't enough to leave that wicked place, was it? Strange stuff. Lot, he had a righteous soul, verse 8 tells you. Lot was a righteous man, and he had a righteous soul. How could a righteous man with a righteous soul live in a place like that? What came over that man to do all that? I guess he just never asked God for direction in his life. Now, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, ended up living there, but the story's not over. In Genesis 14, we read about a war that happened. Four kings fought five kings. And it came to pass in the days of these four kings that these made war with the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and three other kings. Four kings fought five kings. Why do we care? Because in verse 11, it took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah got defeated. Sodom and Gomorrah were wicked places. And God already had a plan to deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. He wasn't going to have to kill them. He wasn't going to have to destroy them. God's original plan for Sodom and Gomorrah was to humble them and defeat them in battle and bring them to the place where he could send a man of God like Jonah to prophesy to them. That was the original plan of God, to humble them and defeat them in battle. God had all of this worked out except somebody messed all that up. Verse 12. And they took Lot. Lot messed all that up. Lot hindered the plan of God because Abraham never realized that when he let one little issue in the margins stay around him, that hindrance did not just hinder his promise. That issue also touched other people's lives because your life is not just about you. It's about everybody you care about, everybody you love, everyone you encounter. You are making a difference by saying yes to God. Hallelujah So Abraham He has to go to war now And when Abraham goes to war To rescue Lot Out of this mess What happens? He rescues Lot And undoes the defeat Of Sodom and Gomorrah And now Sodom and Gomorrah Are prideful As the prophet Ezekiel penned, the sin of Sodom was pride and fullness of bread. I wonder if they would have had that sin if they had been defeated all the way back here in Genesis chapter 14. And I can keep going and telling you more about Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot, but I'll compact all this by saying the following, that when Abraham allowed this in his life, he allowed years to pass. He accepted something and he never quite dealt with it. I can show you two different prayers that Abraham prayed about Lot. Abraham prayed in Genesis 18. He prayed for God and bargained with God to save Sodom. In Genesis 19, Abraham rose up early in the morning and prayed over Sodom and Gomorrah that Lot would make it out of those cities safely. Two prayers recorded about Lot. Now show me one prayer Abraham ever prayed recorded in this book for a son. Show me one time Abraham ever prayed for a son in this book. Not there, is it? Because that is what lots do to you. They take up all your prayer time. They kill your prayer life. All those hours and days you're worrying and stressed out. It takes up all that season that God wants you to spend with Him and seek His face and receive blessings and promises for your life. When I get that hindrance out, it's going to change my life. It's going to change my prayer life. It's going to change my walk with God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now when was Isaac born? Isaac was born when Abraham was 100 years old. And two chapters before that was when Lot was finally dealt with. When he finally dealt with Lot. When Lot was finally taken out of Sodom in Genesis chapter 19. That is when the promise was born. That is when Abraham received the end of everything God had spoken to him. It never changed. It never ceased. It never stopped. God was always there. They are ready to give him fulfillment. And God has not forgotten about you. And your promise has not ceased. And it has not stopped. God still remembers. And God wants to pour out and provide and fulfill. Praise God. There's one more example of this I can give you. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 1, there are two familiar characters in the Bible. Two important men they were praying there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers it tells their name verse 2 and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted fasting is powerful stuff you know as they ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them Saul of Tarsus the Apostle Paul that is where Paul received his calling as an Apostle Did you know that the Apostle Paul had a co-apostle, a co-minister that traveled with him? His name was Barnabas. Miracles happened in their ministry. You'll see countless numbers saved in the book of Acts. These men were anointed of God, used of God. They went on missionary journeys, converted whole sections of cities, preached the truth, did wonderful work of God. They worked as apostles. In chapter 14, more of the same. They're working as apostles, following God's will. In chapter 15 of Acts, there is a church-wide dispute that God settles, which is no small matter, praise God. And at the end of chapter 15, after all that, after three chapters of revivals and miracles and outpourings and salvation and solving church problems, they've had all these answered prayers. At the end of all that, in Acts 15, I believe verse 35, The Apostle Paul, he's ready to go back out traveling. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching. Next verse, he says, let's go again to these churches. Let's preach to them. Let's strengthen them. And Barnabas has a thought. He tells him in verse 37 that he has a fella he wants to carry with him named John Mark. Not a big deal, I guess. He wants to take John Mark with him on this missionary journey. Paul disagrees. Paul says, uh, I don't want to do that. They fight, and the contention is so great. In verse 39, they separated themselves, departed asunder one from the other. And here's the key. In the book of Acts, that is the last mention of Barnabas. His ministry of an apostle is gone after that. Not there. I bet he still preached. I bet he still traveled, but it's not recorded, didn't make the annals of the Word of God. And how did that happen how did his apostolic ministry cease to be of importance in the Bible it is because he allowed this whole fight and dispute about this guy named John Mark that God never told them to bring God said, separate me Saul and Barnabas didn't say nothing about John Mark so when he started mixing up the conversation and adding things into the word of God there's danger in adding in when he added into the word of of God that he took his own testimony out of the Bible what he did was he accepted a hindrance kind of like lot and when he did that his testimony was removed but Paul's was not Paul never changed his doctrine his belief his direction I imagine Barnabas didn't change his doctrine either. Sometimes the enemy's temptation isn't exactly a doctrinal change temptation. He's tempting you just to make one step outside of the path of God. Something that you will think is probably not a heaven and hell issue. I bet Abraham thought that. I bet Abraham thought taking Lot was not a heaven or hell issue. I can still go to the promised land. Not understanding he was accepting years that would pass now because he allowed this thorn and this issue in his life. And so, dear saints of God, I don't know who this sermon is for, but God impressed me over and over and over again this afternoon that God loves you too much to leave you in this messy condition. He doesn't want years of your life to be lost. He is sending out the call. You've got to get rid of that stuff. you got to take that hindrance out of your life. You've got to deal with this. Get Lot out of here and get the promise. Hallelujah. There was a young prophet in 1 Kings 13. And there was an old prophet. The young prophet was receiving the word of God to speak to the king of Israel. And the young prophet obeyed the word of God, didn't he? And God told him, go back home. Don't turn aside to anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Go straight from the king's house back to your house. It seems fair. God had a reason for that. But that young prophet got talked into something by an old prophet. An old prophet talked him into turning aside into his house because he said, I'm a prophet too. How many young ministers are turned astray by some other young preacher saying, I'm a preacher too. You can compromise holiness. You don't have to believe all that. I know so many friends in that category. But you see, I can't listen to the voices that are not the voice of the man of God in my life. All these people have in common. They never consulted the word of God. Not Lot, not John Mark, not Barnabas, and not the young prophet. They never consulted the high priest, the man of God, the person that God placed in their life as an authority to speak to heaven. for them on their behalf somebody who was interceding for their soul somebody who cared for them I can't listen to the wrong voices I've got to hear from the Lord I've got to trust your direction for me Praise God. I know this message is different. I know this message is different from this morning. But this is a stirring service. This is the service where God is trying to make a difference of time and season in you. He loves you. He is speaking to you. And he has a plan for you. He wants to bring you out of the mud. He wants to help you have years more in your life. Not controlled by the enemy. Not controlled by hell. But in the promise of God praise God hallelujah Hebrews 12 and verse 1 lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us Sin does beset us, but it begins by talking about weights, the things that are slowing you down, that are making you run slower and not go as fast in that marathon race of God. I want to run that race with patience set before me, but to do that efficiently, there's some weights I've got to throw off, things that might not even be sin issues, but things that are not helping me run, they're hindering me they're slowing me down like lot like john mark like the old prophet i've got to draw back from them and i've got to trust in the race director i've got to trust in the word of god i've got to trust your plan and your word stand with me hallelujah in closing what do you do what do you do if years have passed what do you do if there's time that you've lost? I feel the Holy Ghost in this. Maybe you've had some years the enemy's stolen. I'll tell you what I believe. Abraham, Abraham was 175 years old when he died. That makes no sense, does it? Everything I know about biology and science tells me that 175 years old is impossible for a human being. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that when Abraham received Isaac, I believe that God restored years back to his life. Years of waiting. Years of wandering years of prayer, years where he built altars and God never forgot, where he never changed his worship of the Lord. God saw all of it and began to add time. He wouldn't just have Isaac be born and then perish from old age. No, God gave him years back. What are you saying preacher? I'm saying what the prophet Joel said in Joel 2 and 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. God has a restoration work in this service. God wants to give you back time. The enemy thought he stole. God has it. God can give it back to you. God can direct your life. God can give you a miracle. This evening, I'm asking you all to come to the front, to leave the pews. Believe with all your heart. Receive the restoration of God. But there's some stuff I've got to remove from me. I've got to get away from lot. I've got to get away from hindrances. I've got to get away from voices that are slowing me down. Whatever it is, it is not more important than the promise of God. Get it out of you and receive your Isaac. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.